2 Kings chapter 4. Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that your servant feared Yahweh. Now the creditor has come to take for himself my two children to be slaves. Elisha said to her, What should I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow empty containers from all your neighbours. Don't borrow just a few containers. Go in and shut the door on you and on your sons and pour oil into these containers and set aside those which are full. So she went from him and shut the door on herself and on her sons. They brought the containers to her and she poured oil. When the containers were full, she said to her son, Bring me another container. He said to her, There isn't another container. And then the oil stopped flowing. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. One day Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a prominent woman, and she persuaded him to eat bread. So it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat bread. She said to her husband, See now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God who passes by us continuously. Please, let's make a little room on the roof. Let's set a bed, a table, a chair, and a lampstand for him there. When he comes to us, he can stay there. One day he came there, and he went to the room and lay there. He said to Gehazi his servant, Call the Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him. He said to him, Say now to her, Behold, you have cared for us with all this care. What is to be done for you? Would you like to be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. He said, What then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, Most certainly she has no son and her husband is old. He said, Call her. When he had called her, she stood in the door. He said, At this season, when the time comes around, you will embrace a son. She said, No, my lord. You man of God, do not lie to your servant. The woman conceived and bore a son at that season when the time came around, as Elisha had said to her. When the child was grown, one day he went out to his father to the reapers. He said to his father, My head, my head. He said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the man of God's bed and shut the door on him and went out. She called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come again. He said, Why would you want to go to him today? It is not a new moon or a Sabbath. She said, It's all right. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Don't slow down for me unless I ask you to. So she went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her afar off, he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, there is the Shunammite. Please run now to meet her and ask her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? She answered, It is well. When she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught hold of his feet. Gehazi came near to thrust her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone, for her soul is troubled within her, and Yahweh has hidden it from me and not told me. Then she said, Didn't I ask you for, Did I ask you for a son, my lord? 
Didn't I say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and go your way. If you meet any man, don't greet him. And if anyone greets you, don't answer him again. Then lay my staff on the child's face. The child's mother said, as Yahweh lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi went ahead of them and laid the staff on the child's face, but there was no voice and no hearing. Therefore he returned to meet him and told him, The child has not awakened. When Elisha had come into the house, behold, the child was dead and lying on his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door on them both and prayed to Yahweh. He went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. He stretched himself on him, and the child's flesh grew warm. Then he returned and walked in the house once, back and forth, and he went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. He called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. When she had come into him, he said, Take up your son. Then she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed herself to the ground, and picked up her son, and went out. Elisha came again to Gilgal. There was a famine in the land, and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said to his servant, Get the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. One went out into the field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered a lapful of wild gourds from it, and came up and cut them up into the pot of stew, for they didn't recognize them. So they poured out for the men to eat. As they were eating some of the stew, they cried out and said, Man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. But he said, Then bring meal. He threw it into the pot and said, Serve it to the people that they may eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. A man from Baal Shalishah came and brought the man of God some bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley, and fresh ears of grain in his sack. He said, Give it to the people that they may eat. His servant said, What? Should I set this before a hundred men? But he said, Give the people that they may eat, for Yahweh says they will eat and will have some left over. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to Yahweh's word. So this chapter, chapter 4, has got the five mercy miracles of Elisha. <laughs> there's five miracles you might not have realized listening to it that there were five and each one of them was a mercy to someone else so they call it the five mercy miracles of Elisha so here they are the first one was the multiplying of oil so the, the woman was in danger of losing her two sons to slavery but in the multiplying of oil it was mercy showed and her sons were saved the second one was the barren woman who was unable to have children and she was old her husband was old, but the mercy was that she had a son. The third miracle was that her son died, but the mercy was that her son was brought back to life. The fourth miracle was the poison stew that became edible. And the fifth miracle was the multiplying of the loaves of bread. There were 20 loaves, which would normally be enough to feed 20 people, but they were multiplied to feed 100 people and there was food left over. So the five mercy miracles. So in the first miracle, the woman who had huge debts and she had, her husband was dead. Now notice that, it, you may not have noticed, but her husband was one of the sons of the prophets. So this is someone that Elisha knew personally. 
And Elisha seems to go from Gilgal, he's in Gilgal in this chapter in one part, he's up near Mount Carmel in another part, so he keeps going between, Mount Carmel is kind of where he lives, up near Samaria. Um, Gilgal is where the sons of the prophets are, there were also sons of the prophets in Bethel. So he seems to travel and visit these groups. And um, so the miracles happen in different places. And down at Gilgal, presumably in Gilgal, one of the sons of the prophets has got, uh, has died, and this woman is left with, with unable to provide for herself, and she's got these two sons, she's gonna lose them. But Elijah, Elisha says to her, what do you have in your house? And all she's got is oil. And then of course the Lord causes it to, to keep on flowing until there's no more room left for it to flow. We had this happen to us at peace years ago, quite a few years ago, where we had terrible debts. <laughs> terrible debts. Uh, we, we had a building, and and uh, it's a long story, And um, but we needed the Lord's help. And this was the story that the Lord gave us. He said, what do you have in your hand? And, uh, the, you know, the oil. The oil was going to keep on, uh, basically keep on pouring until, you know, we didn't need it to be poured any longer. And we took a hold of this story, and it's amazing how the Lord heard our prayers. So the Lord is still doing these miracles. And sometimes we're looking for some kind of miracle out there. We're looking for some kind of like, you know, someone will win the lottery and give us their tithe or something like that. But in the end, the question that the Lord says is, what do you have in your house? Or what do you have in your hand? And the Lord will bring a miracle about through what you've got. And so the Lord works in lots of different ways. But sometimes you just have to lift your eyes to him and the Lord will work it out strangely enough through your present circumstances. It's incredible. So in this chapter, um, we've got these five miracles. Five is the number of grace. But the Lord himself does all of these things better than Elijah, than Elisha. He does all the things that Elijah did better too. So, um, for example, Elisha, you know, he multiplies the oil and he also multiplies the bread. Now, can you think of a story where Jesus multiplied things? He multiplied the feeding of 5,000 men, well, there would have been all the women and children there as well. He fed a gigantic crowd of people with five loaves and two fish, which is definitely way more impressive than Elisha in this chapter with the oil and then feeding the 100 people with 20 loaves. So Elisha, Eli, Jesus does way more than Elisha. Jesus raises not just one person from the dead, he raises three people from the dead, and then he himself is raised from the dead uh, the, Holy, the Bible says that the spirit that was in Christ raised him from the dead. And the same spirit that's in Christ is in you and me. And the Bible says that we will do greater things than these. Now try to wrap your head around that. So the first point I guess to make is that Jesus way outdoes Elijah and Elisha. And in the New Testament, it's very obvious to the people that are following Jesus that he's doing the things that Elijah and Elisha did. Uh, it's very, very clear to them. And in John chapter three, when Nicodemus comes to talk to Jesus, he says, we know you are a man from God because nobody could do the things you were doing unless God was with him. So Nicodemus doesn't, he doesn't quite go as far as saying you're the Messiah. And maybe he didn't realize that, or maybe he was still trying to figure it all out because they had preconceptions of what the Messiah would be like. And Jesus didn't fit the preconceptions. But Jesus was doing the same miracles as Elijah and Elisha. And so it was really obvious to, to a lot of people that God is with him. 
and Jesus outdoes them. It gets to the point, Jesus basically polarized people, so you either had to believe in him, <laughs> because it was so obvious you had to, or you had to, or you had to fight him. So Jesus was very polarizing, and I think anytime anyone takes Jesus seriously, he, he has this same effect. You either completely go for him, or you completely go against him. Now, when you add up all the miracles of Elisha, and there's, there's a heap in this chapter, and there's more in other chapters, uh, Elisha does exactly double the number of miracles of Elijah. And you'll remember that when we were discussing, I think it's two chapters ago, where Elijah went up to heaven, um, Elisha asked for a double portion of his spirit. Well, we, if you add up all the miracles of Elisha, it's double that of Elijah. So it's a very visible example of, yep, he definitely had double the spirit. And Jesus Christ had the spirit without limit, which is why Jesus' miracles were so much greater than those of Elijah and of Elisha. But Jesus said that if the spirit of Christ, which, which, is, which raised him from the dead, is in you, you know, you will do even greater things. And so we are supposed to do greater things than Elijah and Elisha and Jesus, believe it or not. <laughs> now, I always used to think to myself, how can you do anything greater than Jesus? And we can. Now, on one hand, you can't, because everything that we do, we only do because Jesus does it through us. We only do it because the Holy Spirit does it through us. So on one hand, you, there's no way we can do anything better than Jesus because everything we do is Jesus at work. But on the other hand, when you look at Jesus' life, when he was walking around the earth, there were things he did, but there were things he didn't do. For example, he wasn't able to turn the nation of Israel to follow him. He was able to have followers. He got 12 and then he got 72, but he was, his message wasn't heard. But you think about us now. The gospel is going out and nations are changing. We're doing stuff now that Jesus wasn't able to do, but he said we would do it. <laughs> he, he said all authority has been given, on earth has been given to me, so go and you're going to do the things that I didn't do. So we've got this remarkable thing at work now where the, the you, you know Jesus said you will do greater things, the you is the plural. He's not, this is, this is the way I understand it. And in the Greek language when you read it, the you is a plural there. In our English language, when someone says you will do this, we don't know if it's you as a group of people or you as one person. Because the singular, singular and the plural are the same word. In the old English there was the and thou, so you could tell the difference. V, you know, is one, but thou is multiple. Um, but in in Greek, you can tell. And if you know how to read the, the Greek, you can you can see it just in plain writing. And so Jesus is saying plural, you will do greater things than me. And to give you a modern equivalent example, um, the example I always use when I talk about this is the, f the fall of the Berlin Wall or the fall of the Iron Curtain. This is something that a secular historian will not put down to the result of prayers or put down to the result of Christians, but it is 100% the result of praying Christians. And, and there were always Christians praying for the fall of the Berlin Wall, but Father Nicholas um, Führer in East Germany in the city of Leipzig, he started a prayer meeting, uh, and I did know all the details, but you can look it up, and he started a prayer meeting on a Monday night to pray for the peace to, and to pray for the wall to fall. And that prayer meeting grew and grew and grew until eventually there were thousands of people gathered right there at the wall. But you know what, it's not just that. 
It was people like Brother Andrew who were traveling through Eastern Europe and seeing the effect of communism and how it destroyed families and how it was restricting the gospel. He started praying for the breaking up of communism and everywhere he would travel in the West, he would say to churches, pray with me for the breaking up of communism. So we got to this point where all around the world, millions of Christians were praying for this one thing, the breaking down of communism. And, but there were also examples like in Leipzig where you got all these thousands of people gathered right there at the Berlin Wall and praying for the falling of the wall. And then all of a sudden, someone just goes up to the wall and you know, the guards are there with their guns and grabs a little bit of a rock and like pulls it out. <laughs> the guards don't do anything. So more people start chipping away at the wall. Soon the wall is coming down. It's, it's Christians that did that. And when Jesus said, you, plural, you will do greater things than me, well, there's an example. Communism, the back of communism was broken by Christians, believe it or not. <laughs> incredible. And you know what? There's so many incredible big things in the world that Christians have done like that. The changing of the nations, the bringing of the gospel, the power and the glory of God revealed. Secular historians won't acknowledge it, a lot of it, but it's, it's what happens. It's so true. You know, Elijah did some great miracles. Elisha did twice as many great miracles. Jesus outdid Elijah and Elisha so obviously. And then Jesus has put his spirit into us, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And now <laughs> the world is changing because of the power of the gospel. It's super incredible. But there are those who will not believe, and I'm so sorry for them. But Lord, open their eyes. Father, I ask that Lord, the spirit that raised Christ in the dead would quicken us and that we would do more and more things in the name of the Lord, that we would work together with our fellow believers for the purposes of Christ. Lord, fill us with your glory. And Lord, in regards to those who don't believe, Lord, open their eyes, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.